The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The Gospel of the Lord. Inspired by the popular practice many have of making uh, resolutions at at the start of a new year, we've been reflecting on habits for this month. Because we know our world could be better. We know our lives could be better. We know we could be better. And so we often take up resolutions, hoping that something, anything, will be better by this time next year. The problem, however, is that resolutions are incredibly difficult to keep. It seems that free will is overrated, that there are limits even for the most strong-willed of us. So we proposed that instead of resolutions or one-off goals, it might be better to make new good habits. Habits are behaviors we do automatically without even having to think about them. Instead of being one-off goals with one-off rewards, habits are ongoing. They're about continual lifelong improvement and they offer daily opportunity for success because they're formed through a cycle that can be repeated daily. First, there's a cue, something that triggers the habit, then a routine, the habitual action, followed by the reward, something that affirms the habit. We observed how God can use even the smallest of habits to bring big changes. Because of their small habit of observing the stars of the night sky, the wise men were guided to Jesus and were among the first to honor him. If God can do that, he can use our small good habits to guide us, too. We also reflected on how our habits ought to echo our call to holiness. The life of any holy person will always be marked by good habits. The Corinthians, who lived in a Greek and hedonistic culture, may never have developed the good habits needed to embrace the good news on their own, 
but they weren't on their own. The Christians of the city of Corinth accepted the strength offered by God present among them. God offers strength for his people, and here in the church, through the Eucharist, we accept the grace of his strength. Last week, we explored how understanding our identity is extremely important when forming habits, because our habits should reflect who we are. Those who don't have a great grasp of who they are are likely to develop unhealthy habits, but those who recognize how they are children of God, invited to share in the joy, love, sacrifice, and work of our Maker, are likely to develop habits that reflect that truth. Andrew, Peter, James, and John could only begin seeking holiness for themselves after Jesus revealed their true identity. Through him, they discovered that they weren't just fishermen, but his disciples. Though habits may be easier to develop than resolutions, there's still the challenge of motivation. In the Beatitudes, Jesus announces blessings for those holding particular character traits. He said that those who are poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, those who are persecuted for what is right, and those who are persecuted for his name are blessed. We know that these are great traits to have. And we're happy to hold those who demonstrate these traits in high esteem. In fact, when we're examining the life of any saint, we may begin by looking for any of these traits. But on self-reflection, well, we may find that uh, any of us may demonstrate at least one of these traits, at least a little bit, there is always room for growth, and some of the traits that Jesus, blessed, that Jesus says are blessed, uh, we might actually struggle with. When working to develop new habits, we could focus on building up those traits that we struggle with the most, those who find that uh, perhaps they could be better peacemakers may begin by, striving, by developing habits that uh, help them to be peacemakers. But that can be really hard. There's, there's a reason why some of these traits are difficult for some of us. So instead of beginning with what we're, where we're lacking, maybe another approach is to start with what we long for. Each of these Beatitudes come with a reward. And maybe this week, take a look at the Beatitudes, take a look at this Gospel, and see which of these rewards you might look forward to the most. Dwelling on the reward might just give the motivation needed to establish a new good habit. For example, those who long to see God, who, those who look forward to the reward of seeing God, that might be the motivation they need to build habits that lead to a pure heart. For those who look forward to inheriting the earth, who look forward to that reward, might uh, develop habits that lead them to be meek and humble people. And this is why we make habits, not simply to avoid that which we know is bad, but to accept the rewards our Savior has promised us. 
Our faith is a faith of yes, of affirmation. And while it does call us to say no in some cases, it's always so that we can say yes to something greater. We want to say yes to these rewards of our Lord. And motivated by that, we are prompted to adopt those qualities that our Lord says, indeed, make for blessed people. One good habit our church has is, or one we work, work on, certainly, is to bring the needs of the sick to our Lord and to bring our Lord to the sick. And so next weekend, on Saturday evening and the Sunday Masses, we're going to offer the anointing of the sick within Mass. So the anointing of the sick is a special sacrament, and this is for anyone who is dealing with any illness that threatens life. This doesn't have to be a physical illness. So we think of those who are maybe struggling with cancer or those who um, even are plagued with thoughts of of self-harm. We might think of those, even some addictions can be life-threatening. We're looking for any kind of illness that threatens life. And for those individuals who endure those sufferings, uh, we welcome them to come forward next weekend and receive this sacrament of the sick, the sacrament of healing. We invite them here to meet Jesus in this special way because we know that he offers healing. Now, that healing may go in a very, may, may be presented in a very mysterious way, maybe in ways that we don't even observe, but we know our Lord heals. I should mention another group that should come forward also are, are any who might be facing um, a surgery requiring gen- general anesthetic. Uh, that's often, uh, there's a slight risk to those kinds of procedures. So that's another group that should receive the sacrament of the sick too. We know that the sacrament works because uh, it's in this place where we unite our sufferings to those of our Lord. We know that our God is, a, is, is one who accepted suffering himself. And so when we endure our own suffering, we remember that that gives us strength And we know that we can join our suffering to that of his. We also know it works because it unites us as a Christian community. We know that as members of God's church, when one member suffers, we all suffer. So we're happy to pray for those who are suffering from various illnesses. And we're happy as a Christian community to surround them with our prayers, our love, and with the presence of our Lord. Now the sacrament of the anointing of the sick has sometimes been called the last rites, and uh, it's a term we kind of want to get away from. The sacrament of the anointing of the sick is not reserved just for the last moments of someone's life. Uh, this is a sacrament that can be, re- can be received um, uh, repeatedly, kind of as needed, when someone's condition changes, or when they've been declared palliative, or, or uh, when they're enduring, enduring some kind of life-threatening illness. And just from my own personal experience of Uh, bringing this sacrament to those in hospitals or in their homes. Uh, Well, we know Jesus always brings brings healing. Well, we know there's always fruit in his sacraments. The person receiving this sacrament often receives greater peace, greater comfort when they are awake and aware and able to participate in the sacrament themselves. It's not something that's just done to a person. It's something they can participate in, too. Plus, they're awake, we can often bring them communion too, or hear a confession in those moments. So if we know of someone who is sick and uh, facing a life-threatening illness, do, do let us know. Um, 
because we'd like to give them a visit. Please don't wait till the last moment. Though Father Darlington and myself try to make ourselves available as much as possible, there are times when we're both away, and it can be difficult to get a hold of a priest, and that's always a sad and stressful moment for all. So we don't want to wait for that. But as a sign, uh, as, as a sign of our united community, we are just going to offer that sacrament here next weekend. This is what we can expect. Those who wish to receive the sacrament will be invited forward after the homily to receive it, and they will be anointed on the with oil blessed last Easter for this specific purpose, blessed at a time when we remember uh, how our Lord conquered all things through his death and resurrection. Uh, they will be anointed with this oil on the forehead and on the palms of their hands. No one will be expected to reveal anything. Uh, they won't, no one is going to ask them, what, uh, anyone, what they may be enduring or suffering through. We simply anoint them, pray for them, and, uh, um, and, and let them know that they are surrounded by our community. God of all and source of love, we ask that through the help of your Holy Spirit, we would build up good habits. First, in our own lives, may we build up good life-giving and life-affirming habits. And for those who may be sick, especially with serious illness, we ask that they would be led to our Lord, our divine physician, in whose name we make these prayers. Amen. Amen.